You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. Welcome into Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett and still without a voice. I know. It's been days now, but hopefully I'm coming out of it. And thankfully, Chuck is here. Chuck Rons with my publisher, the Ole Spirit, OMSpirit.com, at Fit of On Three, the Godfather. He is here to help pick up the slack. What's up, my friend? How are you? What's happening, Ben? You sound a little hoarse. You must have been out at uh, a little league game screaming like a, a wild parent. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you've known me <laughs> since 2008. And, uh, yeah, I, I tend to go a little over the top, not intentionally, and uh, sometimes that can lead to what's been a week-long battle with trying to get my voice back. I kind of like it, though. It sounds a little groggy, you know, like yeah. a classic rock yeah. singer or something. Yeah. kind of works. Well, kind of like an excuse not to have to do anything around the house either. Oh, yeah. Emily, I feel, I feel bad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's true. It's true. Hopefully, Emily, <laughs> well, we know Emily isn't listening to this because she doesn't care about my podcast. So don't let her know of my evil plan, Chuck. What the hell? There you go. There you go. Well, yeah. she doesn't listen to the podcast. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> March 20th, Ole Miss football, open spring football practices. Um, we're kind of in a little bit of a purgatory in Ole Miss sports. Baseball, they're they're four and zero after um, the first four games, the season opening series sweep of Delaware. There's the issue with Hunter Elliott. Basketball, just playing out the string, another loss last night. I want to talk about some football because Chuck is the godfather of Ole Miss football. But before we do, um, what's kind of your thoughts? Just real quick thoughts on where things stand with the other sports before we get to it. Well, well, I'm real excited about baseball as far as the offense and. Uh, Something that hadn't been talked about much is defensively. It looks like they're a lot better this year. Hmm. Um, I mean, they got eleven guys. I mean, I know this is only a four-game sample, but eleven guys with thousand fielding percentage. I mean, that's pretty darn good. Um, and, and I really love the center fielder Groff and the third baseman Leger, the, the transfers in here to take for Bench and Graham's place and. Uh, you know, I, I just think we've got a chance to be really, really good. The only question mark is um, how do we make up for Mallets, uh, who's out for the year with Tommy John. He's I thought was going to be one of the top five pitchers on the staff. And then, of course, what's the future hold for Hunter Elliott, the ace of the staff? Um, uh, you know, if he doesn't if he doesn't respond to treatment or rest or whatever, that'd be a tremendous blow to this staff. So. That's going to be the question mark moving forward, but I really love this team. Offensively, I think they're as good as we've had in a long time. Yeah, the Hunter Elliott stuff is, is concerning, obviously, because whenever you got soreness or stiffness or tightness in a throwing elbow arm of a pitcher, that's usually a precursor to something much worse, um, usually leads to the road of Tommy John. But Ole Miss has not made that decision yet, hasn't made um, the determination of whether or not he's going to need that. But Josh Mallett's had Tommy John. Riley Maddox had Tommy John. And, and I guess what they're trying to see here is there, there's no hurt in waiting and, and seeing how the elbow responds before taking that plunge. If you got Tommy John tomorrow, if you got Tommy John in two months, it's not going to change really the time frame um, for when Hunter Elliott can come back and be himself again. So I get what they're doing. Exactly. But, man – if he's not around, it's just a hard thing. But I do like the depth of talent. Thank you for bringing up a really good point. And um, last year, we all know the story at this point, 7-14 and 14 in May. 
reeled off 10 of 11 in the postseason, the last team into the NCAA tournament, won a championship, the first ever for the program. But this team, from the, the starting gun, is better positioned just by depth of talent, even though a lot of it is unproven. But, man, I'm going to tell you something. Judd Uttermark and Will Furness, those freshman sluggers, this is probably the, one of the better collections of freshman lottery ticket swinging sluggers that Mike's had. I mean, they're just bringing guys off the bench and they're hitting bombs after bombs after bombs, you know? Like Tyvo Malone comes in in the midweek and goes back-to-back with Will Furness. That's encouraging. It's just, um, can the pitching staff hold up enough? Because, man, you take a shot and, to Josh Mallett's and Hunter. That's tough. And let me tell you something, uh, even though he's not a freshman, I don't know that I've ever seen uh, a, a player at Ole Miss. Now, again, it's a four-game sample, but every ball that Kemp Alderman hits is <laughs> yeah. leaping. I mean, it is a rocket. I, I'd hate to try to catch one of his grounders. Uh, and, and he's hit two home runs, line drives. Line drives. I mean, just, just simple line drives out of the park. It's, it's amazing. They just fly out so fast. It's like a 112-mile-an-hour piss missile, you know, just yeah. a dead line. Yeah. yeah. I like what they are offensively and pitching-wise. I like a lot of the freshman arms, too, but that's going to be the question mark for them. They're going to be really good. They're going to make the postseason. Uh, but without Hunter, man, the, the road just becomes a little bit more treacherous. As far as basketball, and, we know – And don't forget Mallets. Don't forget Mallets. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. he, he's a, he was going to be a key piece this year. He's going to close for him, yeah. Yeah. So you can't you, – you know, here's the thing. If you can survive losing one of them, but how, how much can you survive losing two? That's That's the question. Right. That's the, the tough part about it. Uh, you know, but look, it, it seems like it's prevalent around the country. I, I mean, LSU lost their number two guy. Arkansas lost their ace uh, prior to the season. Um, I mean, Tommy John just seems to be something that's, I don't know, that maybe these kids when they're younger are throwing too many breaking balls or, or they're working too hard with all the summer league and fall ball and spring ball and, I don't I don't know the 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 answer to it but it just seems like Tommy John's more prevalent than it's ever been. Yeah, you know me, I love baseball probably more than any other sport and one thing that has become a trend across all levels is and, and a belief among scouts and and coaches and stuff like that is that every pitcher I mean their time is coming, right? Where they're going to have to I mean it's going to happen to their arm. They just only have so many bullets and you're going to have to get something done to your arm because they're pitching all the time. I mean when they start doing travel ball when they're 11, even younger than that 7, and it's year round, I mean your your arm only has so many bullets in it, right? And yeah. Then, you know. I, I think I think that if there wasn't so much competition, I wish the kids couldn't even throw a breaking ball till they were in high school. <laughs> uh, you know. I yeah. mean I, I just think that ought to be a rule. Really, but yeah, and I think not. and I think every kid who wants to be a pitcher when they start playing baseball at seven, eight, or nine. I said this about your grandson when you said you were picking him up from baseball practice yesterday. Put the ball in his left hand, man. He'll be making. He'll have a fifteen-year MLB career if he can throw eighty-eight in a curveball. Yeah, 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 that's true. And we got to set it up. You know, that's the lottery ticket, your grandson. That's how we get out of this place, right? We can, we can yeah. cheer on Ole Miss <laughs> from a national stage, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. But uh, ba- basketball, playing out the string here, like I said, and they lost again last night. What's just your overall takeaway before we jump to football about Ole Miss basketball and kind of what's coming up for Keith and Kermit and the whole situation? Well, you know what it is. I mean, yeah. Keith doesn't have any choice, and Kermit knows. I mean, Kermit's been in this business a long time, and they just didn't get it done. And I mean, when you don't get it done these days, and you got a ninety-five million dollar 
Coliseum and you're paying coaches $3 million a year and you're investing that much money and tickets cost as much as they do. Fans start grumbling. I mean, it's inevitable. He, he's gone and he knows it and everybody knows it. And now just the search is on and, uh, just keep, take a chance on a guy like Chris Beard or, or is he going to look at some of these mid majors that are real hot right now? Um, um, I think Will Wade is out of the picture. I've heard, but I don't know that for sure. I really don't have a lot of solid information, just kind of grapevine stuff. Um, but that's where Keith is right now. He's the, the you know, people saying, well, I'd hate to be him. It's going to be tough firing Kermit. No, uh, it, it's not because Kermit's a big boy. And they know, you know, just he's, he knows he's going to get, they're going to cut him a check and he's going to go to Florida and retire. I mean, that's, <laughs> That's just all just to it. Look, I love Kermit to death, but if the worst of yeah. all things is you lose your job that brings you stress every single day and you make, you know, four million or whatever the hell it is with the buyout, you're doing all right and going to Florida. Play yeah. some golf. Yeah. I mean, it'll be fine. Yeah. And and you know, I hate it. I hate it because Kermit's a good guy. Yep. He's been a good coach for a lot of years and just didn't work here for him. That's just all it is to it. You've been covering Ole Miss basketball longer than anybody since the eighties, and you've seen the good, the really bad, the kind of bad. What does Ole Miss basketball need? What's the what's the solve in your opinion? The solve in your opinion? I I, I don't know because I, I I've only seen it successful a handful of times in in fifty years. You know, right. um, obviously you it's, it, you got to catch lightning in a bottle. I mean, are there a couple of really great players in Mississippi that you could land now with big NIL money? You know, uh, I mean the game's changed with NIL. Um, but I just don't know. I don't know what the formula is for Ole Miss. Is it a half-court game and great defense, or is it a running game and jack it up and see what happens there? I don't know. You know, that's a great question. Um, you know, I do know this. I know that Rod Evans, Rob, Rob Evans was able to catch lightning in a bottle a couple of years, uh, went out and, and recruited a couple of, almost unknowns in Keith Carter and Michael White and uh, got one big key in Ansu Cisse, got a kid named Jason Smith from Arkansas that Nolan Richardson didn't want at the University of Arkansas, didn't want Keith Carter, and they ended up beating a, a very good Arkansas program like seven out of eight times during their career. Uh, so it's, it's a lightning in the bottle thing for now, and – you know, who's the coach that can turn around? I don't know. I have no clue. Yeah, I love Jason Smith. Love Joe Zahn Darby, too. Those are the guys I would play when I was in the backyard of my house shooting basketball. Like, oh, I'm Jason Smith today, you know, throwing it up. I, I forget those kind of guys. I feel like personalities and um, just a, a culture built as far as be, having something to latch on to for Ole Miss basketball, whether it's style of play or, or recruiting philosophy, whatever it is. Not necessarily gimmicky, but gimmicky in nature. As far as what what is your identity? What are you? What are you trying to be? And I think that's yeah, it's a hard yeah. moving target, but that's what you've got to kind of figure out, or at least go well, after. I mean, Kermit Kermit came in here, wanted to play defense and half court, and and that hadn't worked. Uh, right. You know, Andy was Andy Kennedy was kind of consistent, but he, he never kind of really got to the to the echelon that our fans felt he needed to. Um, and you know, that mutual parting was probably good for Ole Miss and for Andy, but, um, you know, it kind of like he hit the ceiling and 
unfortunately, his ceiling um, wasn't just was just a couple of games a year short. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so who can get over that hump? I don't know. And the concern back then was if he moved on from Andy, and both of the parties were ready to move on. Let's not pretend like that there was any extending that out. Both of the parties, Ole Miss and Andy, were ready to move their separate way, separate ways. But the concern back then, and we talked about this on and off the record here, is is this as good as it's going to get for Ole Miss basketball on a consistent year-to-year basis? Unfortunately, the bottom fell out for Kermit. I would like to see Ole Miss basketball kind of take a, a, an approach as far as the the next guy, my first question, if I were Keith in, in an interview process, would be, hey, man, what are you going to do in the portal? Because Coach Joe has got one high school signing on her team, and she's playing a lot of minutes, but the rest are transfers. I don't think that's a bad strategy for Ole Miss basketball in 2023. At least try something. Try something different. And that, and that's – because, like, what's the worst that's going to happen, Chuck? In three, four years, you're going to be in the exact same spot you've been in for 100 years? Just try something. Try something. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, for better things – Football is rapidly coming. Spring football, March 20th is when it opens up. And Chuck, being the godfather of Ole Miss football, he can help me preview it. He can help me look ahead and tell me what I need to know. So let's start, first and foremost, with winter workouts. What are you hearing as far as winners of winter workouts? Who's impressed? Who's done some good things? Anybody standing out to you so far? Have you heard any good things about anybody? Well, we're not able to see it, but I've heard some grapevine talk that – some of the new guys, um, uh, Monty Montgomery, uh, John Baptiste, uh, those guys are, are really hitting it hard in the weight room. But what Lane Kiffin's done, as as he's done ever since he's been here, he has four, what he calls fourth quarter drills: Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, um, which which he attends and he supervises himself. And it's a series of uh, really full speed football. Uh, orientated drills that they run called fourth quarter drills. And uh, my understanding is that everybody's working really hard. I mean, he, he really doesn't give them a choice. He stays on them pretty hard in those fourth quarter drills. I haven't had a lot of feedback from the weight room, but I understand the big guys have hit it pretty hard. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, J.J. Pegues, Caleb Warren, veteran guys have, have really hit it hard. And then, of course, Jeremy James and uh, Michael Pettis are coming off injuries, and they're they're working hard trying to get back. The doubtful for spring for either one of them, but you know they're 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 making strides. I heard Preston Cushman is really doing well in the weight room as well. Um, I was told that. Monty Montgomery, though, is a freak in the weight room. So that's that's always good news. Yeah, that's big. They need a leader like that defensively, especially a linebacker, and he, he fits a need. But Preston Cushman, we've been talking about him for a little while. Cam East, too, reserve offensive lineman that could help. And uh, we're talking about Victor Kearney and uh, the other transfers that they brought in, or uh, McGee from UAB, for example, or maybe Eli Acker stepping up as a veteran, replacing Nick Broker. But when you're looking at potential breakout candidates or overlooked players who could play a key role, Preston Cushman's right up there for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he's he's going to push he's going to push Acker um, for that guard position. I, I think for sure. I, I really do. And I, my, his feet are better than Acker's. I don't know if he's as strong. Acker's, a, Acker's an animal in the weight room now. He's extremely strong. So it just depends on what type of guard they're looking for in this offense. You know, a guy that 
can pull and, and kick out an end or a uh, guy that gets to the second level and takes out a linebacker or if he's more of a, a guy taking out a, a three-technique guy. Are there any other overlooked players or guys we haven't talked a lot about, like a Preston Cushman, at other positions that you're going to be watching in spring that could play a key role? Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of guys. Um, you know, and off the top of my head, a lot of them are new guys. Uh, at cornerbacks, Zamari Walton, I'm anxious to see how good he is, 6'3", 185-pound guy. Uh, I love long corners. John Saunders, 6'2", 200-pounder. Um you know, from Miami, Ohio, I'm, I'm anxious to see those guys because we definitely need help at corner. DeAndre Prince, Markevious Brown being basically the, the two top guys coming back. Uh, DeAndre's certainly a, an all-SEC caliber cornerback, but uh, he needs help, you know. Um, linebacker, obviously, is a, is a area. I want to see Monty Montgomery and Sean Batiste see what they can do. Uh, there, if we're going to need help there, uh, lost Troy Brown and, you know, how good is Kari Coleman? How good is Ashanti Sistrunk? How good are these freshmen like Tyler Banks? I want to see what he does. I'm anxious. I, 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 I'm going to keep my eye real close on the two freshmen from last year, Trip White and Tyler Banks at linebacker. Um, up front, obviously, Xavier Harris. I want to see how much progress he makes. He's such a, a mountain of a man. He could really be a dominant force in there if he continues to progress. Uh, see how Cedric Johnson comes back from injury. Uh, who's going to take Tavius Robinson's spot? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a thousand things this spring, no question. And then you flip over to offense. Uh, Quinchon Judkins got to have help. It running back, is it Bentley? Is it the freshman? Uh, you know, who, who, who's it going to be? Uh, wide receiver, how good Trey Harris and Chris Marshall are to take the place of uh, Mingo, you know. A quarterback, who's going to surface there? Jackson Dart, understand there's problems with uh, Spencer Sanders about uh, his shoulder. Uh, we'll see how that develops in spring. That's going to be a – Certainly a a, a big storyline if he can't throw or if he can throw or how good is he. And then I understand there's still an academic question about Spencer Sanders, about how many hours he has to pass between now and August to even be eligible. So, you know, we've, a lot of storylines there as well. Oh, man. Spencer Sanders, see, that's, that's a complete wrench in, in the whole three-quarterback race, right? I mean, if he's not – fully healthy and, and then there's still some stuff he's got to solve or at least get right before he can be a full qualifier. That, that throws a wrench in some things because you're going into spring thinking that at least Jackson and Spencer are going to be splitting first team reps. But if he can't throw really, I mean, how can you get an evaluation of that? It's like we're barreling towards another in season quarterback battle, right? I think if Spencer Sanders doesn't win the job in spring, there's a chance, there's a chance he could get out of here. I, I just, I just don't see him sticking around to be a backup, um, you know. And I don't think Walker Howard is going to press Jackson Dart this this quickly in the system he doesn't know anything about yet. So I, I if Spencer Sanders doesn't win the job in spring, I, I think it'll be Jackson Dart without a question. It's a new year, and that means setting new goals for yourself and your family. And there's no better time to throw financial goals into the mix. 
because the past year has been stressful for lots of people, me included. So why not take this opportunity to reevaluate where you are financially and where you want to be down the road? And that's where my friend Thomas Chandler comes in. Thomas is a financial planner with Capital Financial Group and wants to help you set your financial goals and work towards a more secure financial future. So give him a call today at 662-296-0186 for a no-cost consultation. That's Thomas Chandler at 662-296-0186 to get started today on your journey to financial health today. And Ole Miss fans, Morgan Wallen is bringing his One Night at a Time tour to Vaught Hemingway Stadium April 22nd and April 23rd. Tickets for both nights are still available and start at just $78. To purchase, visit MorganWallen.com. That's MorganWallen.com. Ole Miss fans, you can never be too careful, especially these days and with young kids at home. Don't take any chances and secure your home with Eufy Smart Lock, an easy install all-in-one security device for your front door and that peace of mind we're all looking for. I myself am a Eufy user, and I can tell you firsthand, go ahead and ditch those house keys forever, grab a Phillips head screwdriver because that's all you'll need, and give Eufy Smart Lock a try today. No monthly fee, and Eufy customer service is waiting on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. So what are you waiting for? Head to Vault Hemingway or the Pavilion or Swayze Field to cheer on your Ole Miss Rebels with the reassurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Smart Lock. Eufy Video Lock makes it easy to keep an eye on things back home. Its built-in camera can tell you who's at the front door from the comfort of your stadium seat. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com, eufyofficial.com slash video lock, to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Smart Lock and Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, with Jackson, I mean, it's easy if you're pointing out guys who need to have big springs. He's number one because, I mean, we all know the offseason with what they did in the quarterback room and rebuilding that quarterback room. And you look at all the other positions, yeah, there's some questions. But as far as guys who need to have a really good spring, especially with everything both on the field off the field, I mean, Jackson's that guy. Yeah. I mean, he quarterback is the focal of, of every of every position. Uh, team now. I mean, look at the NFL. They're paying quarterbacks fifty million dollars a year because that's that's the catalyst. And you know, obviously Jackson was pretty much the catalyst last year. Uh, him and Quinshawn on offense, and they'll have to be that again this year. But you know, there's there's other stories too. I, I'm I'm tired of the potential of Michael Trigg and not seeing it. You know, I I saw what he could do last spring, and we didn't see any of that during the season. Some of it was due to injury. Some of it was due to immaturity. Some of it was due to bad work habits. Uh, he's got to turn it around. I mean, that, that's he's going to be a key piece to this team this year, um, or he's going to be end up, you know, we're going to be playing with the Memphis State, uh, the University of Memphis transfer, Priest Corn, uh, who's a good player. Uh, don't get me wrong, but he's, he's more next, of a he's hand- a next level player. I think he's going to be a, an NFL draft pick next year. No question, but he's more of a hand in the dirt guy. Uh, 
Mm. You know, he's more of a, a traditional tight end, and we need we need Trig to be that uh, flex tight end. You know, that guy that can get in the slot or get into wing back position and go in motion and that type thing uh, for more explosiveness. So we need them both, no question. Well, and I'm also I, I keep being bullish on Karen Heath, but. I don't know. Uh, doesn't seem like the coaches are as bullish on him as I am, and they know more than I do. But I, I just think he could have a breakout spring at tight end. Yeah, that one for you is like Braylon Brown at wide receiver for me. <laughs> I keep waiting. Yeah, well, wait. when's it going to happen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I keep saying that's going to happen at some point. He got in the portal, and then he sticks around. He's in workouts, and he's going to go through spring. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, good. This is the Braylon Brown time. I just, man, a lot of these guys that come in with such – high recruiting rankings or just a, a strong recruiting profile and they're at a position of need, you think that there's an obvious path to playing time. And yet under Lane, he's just kind of stuck with about 30 guys, well, even when you know positions get hit with injuries and stuff like that. What's amazing to me about Braylon is he makes some of the most spectacular Odell Beckham catches you will ever <laughs> see in practice. Yeah. And then he, then he drops three in a row right in his gut. Um, and I don't know whether it's a concentration thing or what, but uh, if he could just become more consistent, he's got plenty of talent. It's just a consistency thing. Um, and that's, I mean, you've got to have consistency out there at that position. I, I do understand that Trey Harris is looking really good, the kid from Louisiana Tech. That kid's going to uh, be a stud, man. If he's not, yeah. yeah. I mean, I just don't now, see how he's not a stud. Chris Marshall, Marshall they say, is, is adjusting – a little slower than they had hoped, but we'll see in spring how he does. He's got plenty of, they say he's got plenty of ability, but, um, kind of still learning the ropes. Whereas Trey Harris came in here running, uh, just a, you know, Chris Marshall came in kind of tiptoeing and Trey Harris came in here busting the door down. So it's just a different approach. It makes sense too, because Chris was more, I mean, he, he's still more what he could be than what he is. I mean, Trey's more of a known commodity, proven commodity. Chris, yeah, he's, well, he's number... three years older right, too. Right, you know. right. And Chris was. I mean, they're... I mean, he was a highly ranked kid, five star, number three wide receiver in his class. But it's not like he played a lot at Texas A and M last year. And there's a reason why he transferred out. But Trey, he's got proven production on his resume. Well, you know, people don't understand sometimes the difference between being 22 and 19. <laughs> You know, but it's, it's huge. It's a huge difference. You're, you're, you're still a boy at 19 basically. And I don't, I don't mean that derogatorily, but, and you're more of a man at 22, you know, it's just the way it is. Your body matured, your brain's matured. Um, you know, you're more focused, you're more dedicated. You're particularly guys that have a chance at the next level. That's when they really kick it in when they're their senior year or last year. Uh, and that's where Trey Harris is, and Chris isn't there yet. I mean, he's he's 19. Well, I'm a dumbass. You've known me since I'm 22. Have I matured or gotten better at 36, 14 years now, knowing me? Or am I still dumb as shit? Uh, <laughs> he's gotten marginally better. <laughs> I mean, you, you, I got to give you this, though. You, you started off pretty good, you know. Oh, okay. You didn't, you didn't you know, so – you didn't. You didn't have a lot of room for improvement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the funniest thing is, I work for the perfect person because I, I have a. I can just be over the top and stupid. And I acknowledge that. But Chuck, you're, you're just like me. You know that's what's so funny. We go to those recruiting camps, 
and we're all talking to recruits, and he's like going up to the mom saying, "Hey, cheerleader camp's over there." So let's not pretend like we're both not, you know, perfect fits for each other. Here. Um, well, yeah, right. I mean, you, you know how it works. Yeah, I'm surprised you're not like mayor of Oxford at this point. That's what I don't get. Like you're the best <laughs> politician I've ever known in my life. You know, come on. You've been great for public office. I could have been, been your, your communications director. You know, it'd been great. Oh yeah. Um, well, you said Mike Capetis. He's not going to be around because he's recovering from an all-season surgery. Uh, Quinshawn Jenkins, he probably is not going to see a lot of snaps in spring for load management purposes. But is there anybody else, key players, starters like that, that we don't expect Jeremy to James. see? Yeah. Jeremy James is out. I don't know about Casey Kelly yet, but I, I would assume he's out. Um, and that's really all I know at this point. Or, or I, I'm not sure about Cedric Johnson either. You know, he had off-season surgery, but I've been hearing he's been doing well in the weight room, so I don't know whether that means he's cleared to practice or not. He's the number two to Jackson Dart as far as guys that need to have good springs for me because Cedric is such an important part. He's got to stay health, healthy. He just didn't do that last year. Oh, no question. I mean, going into last year, the he's coaches the were saying he's our best defensive player, period. Mm-hmm. Number one. And, I mean, even he just got banged up early in the season and it, he never recovered really and never played at full speed and uh, just didn't live up to that Sam Williams echelon they were expecting him to be. Uh, and this is, this is a year for him. You know, he's, he's got to do it this year. As far as a cornerback, you mentioned John Saunders. You mentioned uh, Zamari Walton from Georgia Tech, the transfer from Georgia Tech. Uh, John Saunders came from Miami of Ohio. I'm, a, I'm guessing at this point, Deshaun Gaddy's just not happening, the North Texas corner. Well, he's not here now, so I don't, I, I don't know how, you know, maybe he's going to come in June, uh, but I haven't heard an update on it. I, I just know he's going to be here during spring, so uh, I don't know how – how good he can be in just an August, you know, August practice. Of course, they that's that's a position that if you've played it your whole career, you can pretty much pick up on the techniques enough to, you know, help the team some. May not be he may not come in here and be a starter, but he could, he could certainly be a key piece. So he's a name, and that's a position to watch for the two week portal window in May. Is there any other position for you, or is that something we um, learn in spring? I'm looking. I'm I'm looking at running back. Um, hmm. I like Bentley. I like the freshman Riscano. I like, obviously, like Judkins. But I think they need one more running back. Um, that, you know, an SEC caliber guy. Um, and, you know, they can they can always use another defensive lineman. They never have enough of them. But I, I stand by my statement all along on this transfer portal thing, I, I think the best players have already been in the portal. Uh, maybe, I mean, there might be exceptions, but I just, I don't see, I think we got lucky last year with Malik Heath, uh, some guys going in late after spring. Uh, and hopefully we can get lucky again, but, you know, I think it'll, it was really lucky to get a guy of his caliber late. I feel kind of the same way. For every Malik Heath, there's a Jalen Robinson. I mean, the hit rate, I, get, I think, for the second portal window is a little different. Just yeah, harder. but how how good was Jalen Robinson? Not good. That's uh, the point. You know, that's yeah, a, yeah. A lot of a lot of flash, not a lot of not a lot of uh, actual production. 
always in the friggin' training room too. And now he's at TCU. So yeah, that second portal window, I think it's uh, more build up than it is delivering results. But Malik Heath was great for Ole Miss. Uh, before we get out of here, you mentioned Tyler Banks and you mentioned, I think it was Trip White. Uh, those are two yeah. players that don't get talked about enough. Because, I mean, you reminded me of them on this podcast as we're talking here. I forgot. I mean, they love Tyler Banks coming out of high school. And when you look at linebacker where they need some guys to step up, and we've been talking about for the last 30 minutes, breakout candidates, overlooked players who could play a key role, Tyler Banks. Yes. Uh, why didn't we yeah. see much of him last year, though? Was he just swimming a little bit because he's well, a freshman? He 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 played a good bit uh, on special teams, and and they gave him a lot of reps in practice. But they stayed with Troy Brown, stayed with Austin Key, stayed with Kari Coleman, stayed with Ashanti Sistrunk. They kind of stayed with four guys. He was the fifth guy though, um, and I don't know. He they just didn't work him into the rotation because of his youth, I think. But I think he's got a lot of potential. I really do. I'll be surprised if he doesn't. Uh, push for at least being in the rotation this year. Yeah, you've been talking about Trip White for a little bit now. I haven't. I honestly, if I had to pick him out of a lineup, I wouldn't be able to. That, that's what's so crazy. Well, he to me came about on twenty twenty three. He kind of came on late in the season, man. Uh, he's a little underweight, but he runs real well. He, he kind of reminds me of Kari. Uh, a little underweight, but runs well and has good instincts. And once he got his feet on the ground. Um, it took him a while. It took him August, September, October, but around November, you know, toward the end of the year, he started coming around, and they started using him more in situations in practice that uh, were very encouraging. You talk about breakout candidates, overlooked players. I cannot wait to see what a Pete Golding because Lane, he hasn't truly. Tr- I mean, he did with DJ Durkin, I think, in year two, but he hasn't truly just given way to trusting his defensive coordinators to be. You know, to, to control their side of the ball, to have full autonomy on their side of the ball. He's always kind of dabbled in it. But Pete, I feel like he sees as an, as, as an equal as far as decision-making. And Pete, he's going to let him control that side of the ball. And the idea of what Pete could do with Akari, who's kind of a hybrid linebacker, rush-edge guy. So same thing with Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste. I, I, that's the stuff I look forward to in the spring, just what that defense looks like and how – Pete kind of takes all the the pieces at his disposal, and he still needs some pieces at certain spots, but makes that work. Because I feel like for the first time in a while, Ole Miss defensively knows exactly what it's trying to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, absolutely it does. And and let me just say this. Lane Kiffin didn't just dabble in defense. Yeah, I was being kind there, buddy. Yeah, it was way more than dabbling. And, you know – and no offense to our head coach, but he needs to stay on the offensive side of the ball and let Pete Golden do his thing because that's what he brought him over here to do. And and I'm I'm sure Pete wouldn't have come here under any other conditions um, unless he had total control of the defense. Um, now you know, obviously Lane's the head coach, and if something's not working, yeah, it's sure, over. certainly he can yeah. interject. But uh, you know. He came here with the credentials. He came here with the plan, and I think we're going to see a difference when Lane Kiffin is staying on the offensive side of the ball. I really well, do. Well, as far as Ole Miss personalities goes, media personalities go, uh, nobody has better credentials than Chuck Ronswell, the godfather of Ole Miss football and <laughs> sports coverage. You like that? That's a good segue. See? All right, brother. Yeah. He's Chuck Ronsville at Spirit Chuck on Twitter. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit. OldMissSpirit.com and Affiliate of On 3. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Talk to you later, buddy. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.